Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello everyone. Thank you for joining me around the fireside tonight. My name is Joe, and I'm here to tell you a story. A story about a bright little girl and a wonderfully strange house. About a very unique aunt with a very unique job. About plenty of purple. About stars. About flowers. About the man on the moon. And about pompous neighbours. A story about blooming in your own time. Presenting Prosperity Lane, written by Payden Hall. An absolute pleasure to read. It's well written and enchanting. I thoroughly recommend picking this book up for yourself. If you'd like to, you can get a physical copy on Amazon or an audiobook. Check out prosperitylanestories.com for more information. I sincerely hope you enjoy listening to this episode. If you do, please let me know by leaving a rating or comment or subscribing to the show on whatever platform you're listening on. You can also help us out by going to gofundme.com slash talesbythefireside. Any support you can give is hugely appreciated and means the world to me and the show. Thank you. Now please, get comfortable, let go of the daylight and join me for our story. Prosperity Lane by Payden Hall Chapter 1 Mrs Lavender was undeniably purple. Her skin only had the faintest purple tinge to it, but when she laughed or blushed, It turned a wonderful violet colour and contrasted with her snow-white hair. She lived in an old-fashioned looking house surrounded by flowers. It was the smallest house on the street, but it was the least ordinary. It was a dark purple, with trim as white as cake icing and a porch that wrapped all the way round. When Mrs Lavender first moved to Prosperity Lane, 
The house was like all the others on the street. It was white and well-behaved and had a white picket fence to go around the green lawn. Mrs. Lavender was never fond of keeping people out, so she tore down the white picket fence. As much as she hated keeping people out, she loved planting flowers. So she overlaid her green lawn with lavender, red roses, blue hydrangeas, Peruvian lilies, and every other kind of flower you could imagine. Everything about Mrs. Lavender was lovely, but a little sad too. Her neighbours always thought her to be strange because of her purple features and unusual habits. Because of this, Mrs. Lavender didn't get invited to the neighbourhood summer barbecues or holiday parties on Prosperity Lane. She is rather strange. She's not like the rest of us, Mrs. Henley, the housewife across the street, said every year. Strange? She's nuts, her son, Billy Henley, would say. But Billy was not a very bright boy and only repeated what his mother said, so he shouldn't be faulted for it. One particularly sunny afternoon, Mrs. Henley noticed a sleek black car pull into Mrs. Lavender's driveway. Mrs. Henley kept an eye on the goings-on of her neighbours and she knew that Mrs. Lavender rarely had guests. "'Who's that, Ma?' asked Billy in his nasally voice. He clung to his mother while she peeked from behind the window curtain. "'Hush, Billy!' Mrs. Henley brushed her son away. "'Go outside and play!' "'I can't, Ma!' Millie is out there playing. The Henley home was so large that it took up most of the yard, and the Henley twins, Millie and Billy, had to take turns playing in it. Then go set the table, Mrs. Henley said absent-mindedly, as she continued to spy on her neighbour. The car doors opened, and a thin, sad-looking man and a proper-looking little girl exited the vehicle. The pair stood in front of the vehicle for a minute or two, staring across the lush garden, overflowing with the blooms of early summer. Daddy, what a funny house, said the girl. Temperance Brown was not what most people would call a beautiful child. Her mother said that her nose was small and disappointing and that her eyes were too brown. Temperance had a small gap between her front teeth that was the first thing people observed when she smiled. She had learned to smile with just her lips, so she never gave a full smile and revealed her teeth. Tempe, you must remember to be polite to your aunt, her father chided, and then added with a small shake of his head, Purple has been your aunt's favourite colour since she was a little girl, about your age. Why have I never met her, Daddy? She's just... she's just different, Tempe. Her way of do things doesn't match mine. Temperance didn't understand what he meant, but she changed the subject. Is the inside purple too? The yard was bursting with flowers and foliage, but it was not wild. There was a clear, civilised stone path from the gravel driveway to the front door. Temperance's father guided her along the stone path and up the front porch steps, which brought them to two widescreen doors. Temperance craned her neck to look up at the house as she climbed the steps. She pressed her face against the screen door to peer inside. It doesn't seem obnoxious. Tempe manners. Her father nudged her as they heard footsteps coming from a far-off room. The figure of Mrs. Lavender appeared through the screen door.
John? The lady's lovely eyes squinted in surprise. Then a warm smile spread across her face. She threw the screen door open to hug her brother. For such a small woman, she seemed to have a lot of strength. Her brother took a surprised step back as she embraced him. Next, she turned her attention to the little girl. You must be Tempe, she said. You have no idea how much I've wanted to meet you. If you like, you may call me Aunt Lily. Temperance was fascinated by the woman who was her aunt. Why was her hair white? Was her skin purple? Or was that just the light? Why did she seem so cheerful and so sad at the same time? She swallowed her questions and instead replied, My name is Temperance Brown. Everyone calls me Tempe, but I like my real name best. I don't mind if you call me Tempe, though. Of course, I shall call you Temperance if that's what you prefer. Mrs Lavender opened the door wider and took a step back to let her guests in. If you both will come in out of this heat, I'll pour you each a nice glass of lavender lemonade. Emboldened by her aunt's warm reception, Temperance walked through the open screen door. The moment she stepped inside the house, she was a little awed. After she walked out of the foyer, she was surprised to see it open up into a hallway that appeared almost as wide as the house had seemed on the outside. Why, Daddy, it is so much bigger than it appears, she exclaimed. The parlour is down the hall to your left, dear, said her aunt. The little girl paused to sniff a potted geranium on the windowsill. How very ambrosial, the girl said. Mrs Lavender looked at Temperance's father for an explanation. She's very fond of using big words, he said. She doesn't always know what they mean. I think that's wonderful. Children ought to be encouraged to expand their vocabulary. How else can we expect them to become intelligent adults? The three walked into the parlour and sat on a damask pale green sofa with red roses embroidered on it. There was a pitcher of lavender lemonade on the tea table, and Mrs Lavender poured a glass for each of her guests. Temperance finally felt brave enough to ask her most pressing question. Why is your house purple? All of the other houses are white. The hostess smiled, and the little girl noticed that she had a dimple in both cheeks. Why would I want to be like everybody else? Mrs Lavender asked. Temperance wasn't used to adults answering her questions with a question of their own, so she didn't know how to respond. She was quiet while she thought of an answer. Lily, Temperance's father addressed Mrs Lavender by her first name. I suppose we must get to my reason for being here. Of course, I did not think that you were here just to see my garden, Mrs Lavender said mildly. No, I'm here because I need Temperance to stay with you for the summer. Mrs Lavender's eyes widened in surprise. You want your daughter to stay with me for the whole summer? John, what on earth has happened? Is Stella all right? My wife will be fine, John said, but the doctor recommended a child-free summer for her to fully recuperate. The two adults stared at one another, and Temperance tried to decipher the silence. Mrs Lavender scrutinised her brother until he turned an embarrassing shade of red. What's been ailing her, if I may ask? She says I vex her, said Temperance. 
Mrs Lavender noticed that her brother didn't correct his daughter. Oh, I'm certain she didn't mean it, she said quickly. All mothers can use a rest every once in a while. She exchanged a silent look with her brother John. Then she put her arm around Temperance's shoulders and gave her a little squeeze. Would you like to stay with me for a while? We'll have loads of fun and I can teach you all about gardening and... I do not think I would like that very much. I would soil my dress. Temperance stared down at her prim white frock. That's what old clothes are for, silly, Mrs Lavender said with a smile. I don't have any old clothes. They're all new, the girl said with a toss of her head that reminded Mrs Lavender vaguely of her sister-in-law. Temperance is welcome to stay here as long as she would like. As you can see, she said with a gesture, I have plenty of room. John Brown's face wasn't happy, but it was less browbeaten than it had been when they first arrived at Prosperity Lane. Temperance noticed her steps felt lighter as they glided back to the car to get her things. Daddy, what's different about this place? Is it magical? Tempe, I hope you don't fill your head with that sort of nonsense while you're away. Your aunt has a condition that makes her purple, and as for the rest, well... She just likes flowers. John Brown took his daughter's bags and went upstairs to a snug little room with a window facing the street. Temperance clasped her hands together in delight when she saw her room, but she didn't say anything. She thought about her aunt's condition and wondered if it was the same sort of condition her mother had. Except her aunt had a tame jungle for a garden, whereas her mother rarely left her room. Temperance sighed contentedly as she watched her father drive away. She had all summer to find out. Chapter 2 The next morning, Temperance woke up in a bed that was much different than her pale pink sheets at home. She was awake before she opened her eyes, but she lay still for a moment, relaxing against the plush pillows scented with lavender. After a minute or two, as she yawned and stretched her arms towards the ceiling, she half opened her eyes. They widened instantly, and any less-mannered girl might have shrieked in surprise. The flowers that had been embroidered onto her coverlet just the night before were blooming. They weren't stitched into the blanket anymore, but were upright and blossoming, just as if they had been planted there. Temperance blinked to make sure that she wasn't dreaming. She pinched herself, but no... The flowers were really there. Aunt Lavender, she called rather hoarsely, please come here. I think you accidentally planted a garden on my bed while I was sleeping. Mrs Lavender came through the door a moment later. She looked at her niece who was cowering behind a pile of pillows and staring at what appeared to be some very nice azaleas blossoming on the bed. Oh, Temperance, don't be silly. You know flowers can't hurt you. Well, normal flowers can't, but these aren't from a normal garden. Well, her aunt still seemed unbothered. I can't think of a lovelier way to wake up than to a garden. I think I'd like to go home today, Temperance said. She preferred her dull pink sheets to this morning surprise. I'm sorry, dear, but I think you'll be with me for a while. Mother doesn't want me to come home, does she? Temperance forgot the garden for a moment and started to cry. 
Mrs. Lavender gently plucked a lovely clump of daisies so she wouldn't crush them, and she pulled herself on the edge of the bed and enfolded the little girl in a warm hug. Temperance, she began, I don't know when you'll be going back with my brother and your mother. I spoke with John on the phone this morning, and your mother doesn't seem to be feeling well. If I had blue eyes like her, then do you think she would like me? Temperance sniffled and wiped her brown eyes with a tissue from the box on the nightstand. Lily Lavender was silent a moment before she spoke. Temperance Brown, you mustn't think like that. You mustn't ever change yourself just so somebody will like you. Promise me you'll never do that. I promise, she squeaked, taken aback by the sudden firmness in her aunt's tone. It was the first time she had seen her without a smile. Now, I like you with brown eyes because that's what you have. If you like the colour blue so much, why don't we paint your walls that colour? Would you like that? Blue walls? she asked in surprise. She tried to imagine her mother suggesting the idea, but couldn't picture it. Yes, I had a house with yellow floors once. I think the colour blue is just the ticket to spruce this place up. What do you think? Temperance felt a smile creeping along her face. She nodded and said, Aunt Lavender, I think you're atypical. Her aunt gave her an amused look. Why, thank you. I'll take that as a compliment. Temperance jumped a little when she suddenly heard a rustling in the other room. Oh, don't mind Violet, said Mrs. Lavender, fingering the daisies in her lap. You should meet her. I think you and she would be great friends. In fact, I think you are the same age. Violet, would you come in here, please? Temperance heard a thud, like when she jumped from her bed to the floor in the mornings, and the sound of feet pattering down the hall. A black nose poked through the door that was ajar, and a lovely golden-haired dog walked over to Mrs. Lavender's feet. She sat down daintily and gazed at Temperance. Your dog's name is Violet, she said disbelievingly. Yes, a violet is a flower, but my husband chose a name for her when she was a puppy. Where is your husband now? Temperance took Violet's proffered paw, unsure of how to properly greet a dog. He left last year for the North Pole and won't be back for quite some time. Mrs. Lavender smiled sadly. Why didn't you go with him? Well, flowers cannot grow in the North Pole, so I had to stay and tend to my garden. Temperance thought this was an unusual reason, but she did have a hard time imagining her aunt not being surrounded by green growing things. Do you miss him? All the time, but we can't always be with the people we love. Temperance thought of her mother, Stella Brown had banished her daughter to an unknown aunt's home for the summer. She changed the subject. Is he purple too? The woman laughed for the first time since she had met her niece. That is a reasonable question, but no, his skin is a normal colour, just like yours. There was a knock at the front door before Temperance could respond. Well, Mrs Lavender said, I'll leave you to get dressed and come down when you're ready. Then we'll see about painting these walls. I must go and see who that is. Come along, Violet. Temperance watched the golden dog and white-haired lady walk out of the door and lean back on her pillows. It was a strange place, 
unlike anything she'd seen before. But she liked it. She felt safe here, and Aunt Lavender seemed to like her without Temperance even having to try. And last, but not least, she would soon have a bedroom with blue walls. Mrs. Lavender opened the door and was surprised to see Mr. Willis, the postman, standing there. Why, hello, Mr. Willis, she said cheerfully. I wasn't expecting a package today. Uh, It's marked urgent, so I wanted to make sure that you received it right away, said Mr. Willis, shifting nervously from one foot to the other. Just sign here, please. He acted as though he did not want to stay on the porch a moment longer than necessary. All the neighbours gossiped about the purple lady in the peculiar house. Well, let's hope it's a good surprise, Miss Lavender said with a chuckle, her face turning a deeper shade of purple as she did. She signed for it, took the little box and gently shook it. It rattled. She removed the string and brown paper that wrapped the parcel and opened a little box to see a golden ornate compass resting against a velvet cushion. There was a note that came with the packet. Dear Lily, I know this must be a surprise to you, but business calls. Polaris just will not behave. So I must join Mr. Lavender at the North Pole. I'll be gone for a very long time. So long that I've sold my house. I've parceled out my most prized possessions to the people I trust the most. You know how I feel about trusting banks. And knowing I could entrust my great-grandfather's compass to you, I've sent it to you with this note. I know you'll take good care of it until I come to retrieve it. Thanks again, old friend. Take care. Tom Luna Well, well. I do wish I'd had some notice. I might have sent a letter with him to reach Mr. Lavender. At the mention of the familiar name of Mr. Lavender, Violet sneezed, which she only did when she was excited. Mrs. Lavender carefully folded the letter and put it in her apron pocket. With Violet trotting around behind her, she took the parcel that contained the compass and went to the library. It was an airy room that somehow managed to contain plenty of windows, yet still shelve all the books of her large collection. Mrs. Lavender walked over to the botany section, the largest group of books, and pulled a red and gold volume from a shelf that was at eye level. She put a hand where the book had been and pressed a small groove against the shelf wall. There was a shifting noise, and suddenly the shelf moved. Mrs. Lavender quickly opened the secret door, revealing a black vault with great steel lock. I had almost forgotten about this thing, she said, more to herself than to Violet, who sat beside her to observe. It was a vault that had come with the house when they moved in, and Mr. Lavender was the only one who ever used it. Well, I don't remember the combination. This is a pickle. She thought a moment before walking over to her desk that graced the centre of the room. She started opening all of the drawers and compartments to see if she had possibly left the combination written down somewhere. Mrs. Lavender was still searching when she heard Temperance come down the stairs. Just as Temperance was entering the library, there was another knock on the front door. It's a bit early for a social call. Would you mind answering that, Temperance? I'm a bit preoccupied and I absolutely must attend to this or I know I will forget. Temperance turned back in the direction of the front door and opened it. She took a step back frightened at the large frame that seemed to invade the door frame. It was none other than Mrs. Lavender's stout neighbour, Mrs. Henley. 
Hello, dear. I'm Mrs. Henley. Is Mrs. Lavender at home? Her shrill voice always squeaked worse than normal when she was trying to sound polite. Yes, just one moment. Would you like to come inside to the parlour while I retrieve her? Temperance asked cordially, trying not to cringe as the plump woman's voice pierced her eardrums. She was used to receiving guests on behalf of her mother. She did it often while her mother said she had a headache and stayed in her bedroom. She led the woman to the parlour and went down the hall back to the library. Aunt Lavender, she said, walking into the library. Temperance stopped in her tracks. Her cheerful aunt looked up from a stack of papers on her desk that must be three feet tall. Who is it, Temperance? It's a lady named Mrs Henley. Oh, I thought I heard her. She probably saw your father bring you here and wants to know who you are. Say, Temperance, you seem to be a very capable girl. Do you know anything about unlocking safes? No, but I'm a fast learner, Temperance said eagerly. Well, how marvellous. Perhaps you can crack mine for me. I seem to have misplaced the combination. Well, it's probably something important. Do you think it's your birthday or an anniversary date? Oh, what a good idea. Let me write down a list of possible dates for you. She pulled open the top drawer and rummaged around for a piece of paper, scribbled a few lines on it and handed it to her. You try and crack it while I go chat with Mrs Henley. The aunt and the niece switched places. Temperance was glad to have something useful to do. Chapter 3 Hello, Mrs Henley. Mrs Lavender greeted her guest pleasantly. Mrs Henley had been picking through the candy bowl on the coffee table for non-purple sweets and slipping them into her pocket. But she quickly reached her hand up when she saw Mrs Lavender. Oh, we've been neighbours for years, Lily. Don't you think we ought to call each other by our first names by now? Well, Mrs Lavender paused. All right, Dramatha. Dramatha Henley gave a satisfied smile, as if Mrs Lavender calling her by her first name somehow made them better friends. She had brought a clipboard with her, and she tried to hide it under her lap as she spoke. She peered through the open door, down the hall to the library where Temperance was working. That's a lovely little girl who met me at the door. Is she family? Yes, she is my niece. Her name is Temperance, and she is staying with me for a while so her mother may recover from an illness. Oh, how very unfortunate. Still, perhaps she'd like to play with my Billy and Millie. I'll be sure to ask her. To what do I owe the pleasure of this visit, Mrs Hen? Uh, Dramatha? I wanted to let you know about this petition. Mrs Henley's face grew animated as she produced the clipboard with a flourish. Oh, are we trying to get that sign fixed again at the intersection of Prosperity Lane and Rose Avenue? It is a safety hazard. Wait, what's this, Mrs Henley? It says here you want to completely whitewash my house and raise my garden. Mrs Henley was silent for a moment. She took a look at her neighbour's purple, confused face and she shuddered. Purple had been the colour of her room as a little girl. She and her mother had spent weeks painting the walls, ceiling and floors, laughing and making plans for the fun they were going to have painting the rest of the house. At the end of the summer, her mother had left mysteriously and she had never seen her again. 
All she had left to remember her absent mother was a colourful but empty room. She couldn't stand the colour purple. Mrs Henley shook her head to bring herself back to the present. Oh, raise is such a strong word, Lily Lavender. We don't want to destroy your lawn. We simply want it to look like, well, the other yards. As for the house, I do know you're fond of the colour, but it's just so purple. It looks just so much different than the other houses on our street. Hartville is growing into quite the metropolis, you know, and we must keep up with the times. But why should I have to change anything? There's nothing wrong with my home. I work very hard to maintain it and make sure that it's sensible, but lovely. Yes, I know, but, well, there have been complaints about just how extraordinary it looks. That's preposterous. Just because it doesn't look like the other houses on the street doesn't mean that there is anything wrong with it. Why, Mrs Henley, I believe you are the one that has been complaining and who started this petition. You're the one behind this. Mrs Henley's very red face confirmed Mrs Lavender's suspicions. Listen, the proprietor of the home said patiently, this is my home. I make sure that it stays beautiful and well taken care of. I certainly wouldn't want to be a blight on the neighbourhood, but my house is not ugly and my garden is not overgrown. I see no reason to completely change the appearance of my home just because a bunch of people decided to put their names on a silly piece of paper. Mrs Henley was starting to turn purple herself, and it was not a pretty shade of plum or violet, but purple with tints of red around her eyes. Her eyes began to bulge as she snatched the clipboard from Mrs Lavender's hands. I have tried to reason with you, Lily Lavender, but you won't listen. Why can't you just be like everybody else? Why, because then I'd be just like everyone else. And what's the point in that? I'll see to it that 1701 Prosperity Lane looks like every other house in Hartville if it's the last thing I do. And with that, the pompous neighbour marched out of the house and slammed the door behind her. Goodness, Mrs Lavender peered through the window and watched her neighbour walk through the lilac bushes instead of using the pathway. I believe she's going to destroy my lilacs. Why is she so angry about the colour of your house? Temperance asked as she walked out of the library to where her aunt was standing. Mrs Lavender shrugged. I think she's just an unhappy person who thinks that everyone should be just as unhappy as she is. I don't even think she knows she's unhappy. Temperance pondered this and briefly thought of her mother. How can a grown-up be unhappy and not know it? I always know if I'm unhappy or not. Some people are so wrapped up in their misery, dear, that they think that's all there is. I feel sorry for Mrs Henley. Now, we shouldn't let this ruin our day, though. Are you hungry? I've made some biscuits that are warming in the oven. They're purple, aren't they? She wrinkled her nose. No, Temperance. She winked at her niece. They're as fluffy and golden as biscuits should be. I do have some lovely macaroons, though, that we can have for afternoon tea. Oh, were you able to open the safe? Yes, it was your birthday. How could you forget that? Well, I suppose I never thought I would use the safe, so I never thought to remember the combination. Anyway, as soon as we are done with our tea, I'll be sure to put my friend's compass in there so it will be safe. Mrs Lavender ushered her niece into the dining room 
but peered again over her shoulder through the window as Mrs. Henley crossed the street, leaving a trail of crushed lilacs strewn behind her as she tramped her way home. How do I look? Temperance asked her aunt after tea while her aunt was showing her the garden. Temperance didn't have any old clothes, so Mrs. Lavender had taken an old gardening shirt of her husband's, rolled the sleeves up past her elbow, and slipped it on her niece over the girl's least nice skirt. Next, she had her don an old apron, which was so big the apron strings had to be wrapped around her waist three times. It's not fashionable, her aunt admitted, but it's practical. It was the ugliest attire Temperance had ever worn, but it thrilled her. She had never needed old clothes before. She had never even been allowed to do anything that would cause her to get dirty. What do you think, Violet? The little girl asked the dog, who surveyed her with serious brown eyes. Violet barked at her and wagged her tail back and forth. Temperance twirled and giggled. Now we had better get to work. It's the first fine day we've had and I want to make the most of it. Here, take this watering can. Her aunt handed her a tin can with a long spout where the water poured out. Fill this up and then just follow Violet. She'll show you which flowers need watering the most. Temperance took the empty watering can to the side of the house and turned on the hose. She waited for it to fill only halfway since she knew that was all she would be able to carry. All right, Violet, where to? Violet turned and trotted towards a series of rose bushes along the edge of the stone walkway and barked. Temperance clomped happily behind her in her aunt's old galoshes and admired the beautiful blooms as she watered the thirsty plants. They nodded and a pair of bumblebees was nearby. Having done her part, Violet walked over to the side of the house, curled up and took a nap in the shade. As Temperance reached the end of the row of roses and started on the sky-blue hydrangeas, her favourite, she decided, she noticed an exceptional-looking plant. It was so large, at first glance, she thought it must be a green, velvety statue. She set the watering can down and walked over to the plant. It had a short, stubby brown trunk which turned into a thick, dark green stem as it rose towards the sky but it did not have a bloom like the other plants in the garden did. Unlike the rosebuds, where the red petals were all enfolded into one another, this was a single, deeply furrowed, dark green petal that wrapped around a white silky centre, which could only be seen at its tip. At least three feet tall, it was the largest flower she had ever seen. Mrs Lavender walked up, smiling as she wiped the sweat from her brow with the back of her hand. I see you've met my carrion, the most promising flower in my garden. Why hasn't it bloomed? I don't know. If I'm being honest, dear, I've been watering it for ten years and I've never seen so much as a blossom. It looks like that all year round. How do you know it's alive? It is still green and it doesn't show any signs of being dead. Temperance took this information and thought a moment. Why do you keep watering it? Well, I figure any plant that takes over ten years to bloom must be worth waiting for. The girl reached out and fingered the rivulets in the dark green petal that sheathed the mysterious flower. This flower is older than I am, but what does it have to show for it? That's a silly question to ask of flowers, if you ask me. 
I say, let each blossom in their own good time. I see you finish this side of the garden. The shrubs around the porch and all my ferns still need watering, so hop to it if you want to finish before lunchtime. Temperance stared gravely at the monumental plant and then went to refill the watering can with Violet, fresh from her nap, lagging at her heels. She thought about her aunt's words as she thumped in her aunt's old boots towards the house and turned it on. She had learned that Aunt Lavender often seemed to speak in a sort of code to be saying more than she was letting on. Let each blossom in their own good time. Could she be talking about people as well? Temperance peeked over her shoulder and saw her aunt on the far side of the yard, pruning some of the Fothergill bushes with her gardening shears. She was humming cheerfully as a pair of butterflies fluttered above her head. Temperance left her watering can alone for a moment and walked over to a little goldfish pond she had noticed earlier. Thin twinkling fish glided dreamily through the ankle-deep water, occasionally circling the mossy stones that were such a delicious-looking dark green that Temperance bent over to feel the slippery surface with her fingers. She wiped her hand on her apron and then got on her hands and knees until she was only a few inches away from the water's surface. She studied her reflection wishing she could throw in a penny and make her eyes turn blue, like her beautiful mother. She stared at the rippled face peering back at her. She blinked, and the reflection did too. I wonder if I've bloomed yet, she said aloud. Most children don't bloom until they're adults. That's why they're children, was the reply. Did you just talk back to me, Temperance said, mystified. Yes. Don't be so surprised. Nothing in this house is like anywhere else, her reflection said coolly. I knew it. My aunt seems to pass everything off as normal. Well, you'll likely never get an explanation from your aunt. Is she crazy? Oh, not at all. She's the sanest person you'll ever meet. But why is she the way that she is? Why not? Do you always answer a question with another question? My whole job is to help people think. That's why it's called reflecting. Temperance opened her mouth to speak, but she couldn't think of a response. She wasn't used to talking to a reflection, let alone a witty one. She shrugged. Her reflection shrugged back. You're awfully smug, Temperance remarked. Do you know what that even means, Tempe? The reflection smirked. Don't call me that, the girl said emphatically. I think you know I'm called Temperance here and are just calling me that to taunt me. And I do know what smug means. I'm first in my reading class. I was teasing. The reflection chuckled, but her rippled brow scrunched even more as she stared up at Temperance's contorted face. The girl's brown eyes darkened into a deep chocolate as tears threatened to spill out. Say, I I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. Temperance sniffed and ran the back of her oversized sleeve across her face. She nodded wordlessly as she tried to regain her composure. I'm not trying to be a baby. It's just, I like who I am here, and that's temperance, not tempy like I am at home. It's okay, kid. Say, why don't you check out the gardening shed? I think that's just the ticket to cheer you up. Why? What's in the gardening shed? I think you'll understand once you see it, but you can't go in the daylight. 
Wait until after sunset and then wait until you hear your aunt go outside and into the gardening shed. Follow her and have a peek inside. You have to see it to believe it. The reflection dramatically swirled away and suddenly all Temperance saw was her inanimate reflection. Temperance's hurt feelings had disappeared with this new promise of intrigue. She stood, brushed off her muddy knees and then went back over to her watering can and continued with her chores, determined to come back to the garden in the evening. Chapter 4 Fairy tales aren't good for you, Tempe. They don't prepare you for real life. Temperance's mother never allowed her daughter to read fairy tales, but she instinctively knew she wouldn't like them anyway. Temperance Brown was true to her name. She was restrained in her thoughts, habits and actions. Like her father, she used facts and logic instead of her imagination, which Lily Lavender found to be a very disconcerting thing for a ten-year-old child. As the girl lay in her new bedroom with its vibrant blue walls she and her aunt had spent the rest of the afternoon painting, she placed her hands behind her head and stared at the white ceiling. A blank canvas for her dreams, as her aunt had sweetly said when she tucked her in an hour earlier. On her nightstand, her aunt had even placed a book of fairy tales for her to read, but Temperance didn't feel inclined to read a fairy tale when she almost felt like she was living in one. Temperance had many questions the morning she first arrived at Prosperity Lane, but now she had even more. Although she had only heard her father talk about his eccentric sister a handful of times, it was with deprecating descriptions such as a Pollyanna who refuses to accept the real world, or if she wasn't my sister, I might say she belongs in a circus. The girl did not agree with these comments, but she could agree that her aunt made quite an impression. At least, when she first met her, it was difficult to know what to think of her. In her mind, Temperance replayed the events of the past two days. The flowers springing up on her bedspread overnight, her aunt, who turned a tinge of violet when she laughed or sneezed, and the talking reflection in the goldfish pond. She had asked her father if it was magical when she first arrived, but he had quickly dismissed that notion. She knew that she was only ten, and there was much about the world she still did not know so perhaps there was another explanation she wasn't considering. Still, there were no other adults to consult apart from her aunt, so she mulled it over in her mind. How could a place be so weird and wonderful at the same time? She rolled over on her side and stared at the clock on her nightstand. 8.58pm. She heard soft footsteps downstairs, which could only be her aunt. Temperance threw back her covers and sat up with her feet almost touching the floor. She stayed there for just a moment as she considered the embroidered bedspread. The stitches showed no signs of life like they had the first morning when she had awoken there. Her brows furrowed like they did when she was trying to solve a math problem, but she relaxed them as she jumped to her feet. It was time. She was wearing her silk pyjamas and she reached for her grey robe that was sitting ready at the end of her bed. She slipped it on and tied the sash around her waist, reasoning that the colour was dark enough that she could blend into the shadows if she needed to. She slipped her bare feet into her slippers, tiptoed to the door and cracked it open. She froze as the grandfather clock in the hall downstairs struck nine, the sombre gongs reverberating throughout the house that was supposed to be asleep. 
as quiet as a moonbeam, Temperance skittered down the hall to the top of the stairs and pressed her back against the wall, listening for any movement. All was silent except for the ticking of the grandfather clock, Violet snoring and the thundering of the girl's heart inside her chest. She breathed deeply, trying to calm her nerves. It was not much different than being at home when her mother demanded absolute silence. When that happened, Temperance would make a game of pretending she was a mouse and see if she could slip out of the house into the backyard without making a sound. This wasn't her house, though, and Lily Lavender wasn't her mother. Temperance's cautious nature caught up with her, and she almost darted back down the hall to the safety of her bed. Was she sneaking through her aunt's house in the middle of the night because of something a reflection in a pond had told her? She shook her head and turned to go back to go to her room. Just as she was walking back, though, she heard the softest of footsteps downstairs, accompanied by the gentle clatter of nails on the wooden floor. The familiar sound of Violet's tread reassured Temperance. She was able to re-summon her courage and retrace her steps back to her perch on top of the stairs. The footsteps of Violet and her aunt had faded. Thankfully, the stairs were carpeted, so Temperance made no sound as she descended the staircase. Moonlight faded through the skylight above and lit the way. From the bottom of the stairs where Temperance stood all the way across the great foyer to the hallway that led to the backyard. The yellow robe light guided her as she tiptoed her way across the floor. Suddenly, Temperance stopped in the middle of a long rug that ran down the length of the hallway towards the back door. She recognised it as a Persian rug, the sort her mother had placed all over her house, with bright colours and symbols, some of which didn't always make sense to Temperance. She could make sense of this one, though. It was made of thick, dark red wool with white diamonds all round the border. In the centre were stacks of what she had thought were five-petaled yellow flowers, but upon closer inspection, as she stared at the images between her slippered feet, they seemed more like stars. She had never noticed it before. Temperance could have sworn that they appeared to be yellow flowers in the daytime. In the corners of the rug were green vines that seemed to agree with her earlier observation. But no, clear as night, they were stacks of five-pointed stars glowing against a dark red background. She shook her head to remind herself of her mission and continued her soft tread towards the back door. When she got there, the door was already unlocked. Temperance twisted the knob and, wincing as it creaked, she slowly pushed the door open and peered into the darkness. The moon had faded behind dark clouds. All she could see were the dark forms of shrubbery and flower pots, the pointed silhouette of the carrion flower towering above it all. Temperance knew there was nothing to be afraid of in mere darkness. She had watered all of those plants just hours before and she was too practical to think there could be goblins hiding behind one of the potted geraniums. But she knew from experience that unexpected things happened at her aunt's house and that made her cautious. Temperance opened the door wider and slipped out. She took off her slippers because her bare feet would make less noise and wiggled her toes on the warm brick pathway. Crickets chirped and fireflies danced across the expanse of the backyard. Nothing to cause concern. She looked across the yard to the gardening shed and saw a soft glow emanating from the single window, like someone inside had lit a candle. 
she began her trek across the stone walkway, measuring each step so she didn't trip over the uneven stone path. Temperance marvelled at the coolness of the green grass between her toes once the stone path ended and she was walking across the lawn towards the gardening shed. She realised she had never walked on grass without her shoes before. She liked the fresh-feeling sensation. Walking in the grass on tiptoe to make as little noise as possible, she edged her way closer to the gardening shed, twenty paces away from where the stone pavement ended. The door facing her didn't have a window, but there was a soft glow escaping what she could now see were curtained windows on either side. As Temperance approached, she noticed that the light brightened unsteadily. It was softer than the fluorescent glare of a flashlight, but it was brighter than the glow of a candle that spits and shakes when you hold it. No, Temperance reasoned, this light must be whatever the reflection had hinted at this afternoon. It was a warm evening, but Temperance shivered at the slight breeze that startled the shrubbery and assaulted the girl's tingling skin. Why was she so cold on such a warm night? She reasoned that it was just her nerves because she was excited, but she didn't give any of this much more thought as she crept towards the gardening shed window. It was just above her head, and she couldn't see past the windowsill even on her tiptoes. She looked around and saw a wicker chair over on the stone patio that her aunt and she had used when sitting outside the day before, enjoying cucumber sandwiches in the garden. Temperance turned, and casting a glance over her shoulder to make sure no one was peeking out of the window at her, she scurried back towards the house, grabbed the chair, and darted back to the shed. Placing it firmly beneath the window, she put one dirty foot on the seat of the chair and hoisted herself up, careful to lean to the side in case she was visible through the thin curtain. She pressed her face to the window and strained her eyes to see through the fabric that hid the mystery she had been waiting all day to discover. Her eyes focused on the largest object in the room, and she easily recognised it as the comfortable, pudding-bag outline of her aunt standing in the far corner with her back to temperance. The girl could only make out the outline of her aunt, but she squinted hard to see what was in front of her. It appeared to be a table, with small piles of glowing light bulbs. As her eyes adjusted to the lighting, her gaze scoured the rest of the room. Through the curtain fabric, temperance tilted her head as she saw what appeared to be light bulbs neatly lining the shelves mounted on the walls all around the shed. On the left, they appeared to be bold and gleaming, but on the right, they seemed to flicker. Some never reignited. The girl squinted and watched in breathless curiosity, afraid she might miss something. There was a muffled shuffling of feet as her aunt picked up one light bulb, held it up for closer inspection, and then seemed to either polish it with a rag or toss it in the wastebasket with a clinking sound. The words were indistinguishable, but her aunt seemed to be muttering to herself about each bulb. Well, Temperance wasn't sure they actually were bulbs, but what else could they be? After she had finished with one pile, she wrote something down on the paper with a pencil stub she had on her apron pocket. Was she tallying them? Temperance wondered. Mesmerised, the girl stood there for minutes, maybe hours, watching her aunt make the same motions, pick up the bulb, examine it, then carefully place it in a new pile, then write something down on a piece of paper. Eventually, Temperance's eyelids started to feel heavy and the intrigue disappeared as drowsiness overtook her. 
Her eyes flew open as she saw the figure of her aunt stop moving, as if listening. Temperance held her breath, unsure why she was afraid of her aunt, except that this was all mysterious. She heard her aunt's heavy step and saw her move towards the door. She froze. Hello? her aunt's voice called. Anyone there? Temperance? Yes, ma'am, she said. She could have kicked herself. Why couldn't she stay quiet? Her aunt appeared round the corner. Goodness sakes, Tempe, what are you doing up and outside in your pyjamas? I couldn't sleep, she shrugged, aware of how conspicuous she must look, still standing on the wicker chair, and spying on your aunt like a hoodlum. I wasn't spying, I was watching. Oh, and what did you find? I'm confused about why you're cleaning all those light bulbs. Light bulbs? Her aunt was confused at first, then chuckled. Oh, they aren't light bulbs, Temperance. Then what are they? That is how you should have approached this issue in the first place, by asking me instead of skulking around in the dark like a raccoon. Come inside, and I shall show you. She stepped aside, and Temperance jumped off the chair and walked around the corner of the shed to the door. She hesitated once she got to the door, so Mrs. Lavender opened it. Step inside, Temperance. There's nothing to be afraid of. Like Mrs. Lavender's house, the shed felt much bigger on the inside than on the outside. It was one thing to see it through a curtain. It was quite another to step inside and see the lines of light streaming the walls. There were several crates on the floor, and some of them were overflowing with bulbs. The work table she had dimly noticed before was on her left, and as she turned to take in the room and saw her aunt's work at eye level, she jumped and took a step back. Aunt Lavender, she squeaked hoarsely, for those weren't light bulbs stacked and labelled in neat piles. They were something else. Were they... They were stars. Some of them were blinking rhythmically, others flickered in and out, and a few glowed barely at all. Yes, I know, dear. It might take me a minute for me to explain. Here, sit on that empty crate and give me a moment. There was a small stool near the work table that Mrs Lavender took for herself. She smoothed her apron. I imagine you have lots of questions for me, Temperance. The girl nodded, too overwhelmed to speak, but eyeing the star-crammed crate surrounding her. Well, uh, the cheerful Mrs Lavender was flummoxed. You see... Her voice failed again. The two sat in silence, each trying to put into words what they were thinking. Am I crazy? Or are you crazy? Temperance ventured. I'm not sure, Mrs Lavender admitted. It's not that I mind you seeing this, Temperance. It's just that I don't quite know how to explain it because it will seem so unlikely. Perhaps you should start at the beginning, the girl suggested. Good idea. Well, as you know, my husband left for a very long trip. He is an... <clears throat> star technician. A star technician? Yes, a star technician. But a star technician? Really, Temperance, no matter how you say it, it's the same thing. Star technician. She slurred the last word together as if to get it over with. 
But Temperance furrowed her brow again. She didn't know enough about stars to ask the questions she wanted to. Well, if these are your husbands, what are you doing with them? Well, my husband had to go to the North Pole to deal with some unruly constellations. You see, Polaris, part of the constellation closest to the North Pole, is quite temperamental and simply will not stay put in orbit. So I am taking care of his day-to-day work whilst he's away. But, but what are the stars doing here in a gardening shed? It's all a bit of a disaster, really, her aunt admitted, throwing her hands up in the air. There is a special observatory near here, a place where stars are studied, that harvests the weak and older stars and then has them taken to specific delivery points to be repaired or discarded. Well, several weeks ago it caught on fire and they needed somewhere else they could send the stars while they made repairs. My friend, Mr Luna, who is in charge of the harvesting, thought it would work because I received so few visitors. He thought it was unlikely I would ever be discovered or bothered. Wait, Mr Luna? Mrs Lavender didn't respond. Aunt Lily, are you saying you're friends with the man on the moon? Her aunt's face contorted to an unflattering shade of purple. Well, he... he doesn't live on the moon, you understand. Harvested by the man on the moon, eh? Temperance shook her head. What was her father thinking to leave her with such a person? She scanned the room again, taking inventory of the blinking, crinkling, dimming stars that lined its shelves. The stars were all different sizes and some different shades of yellow and blue, and some stars were black and had no light at all. There was one solitary star in the bottom corner of one of the shelves that piqued Temperance's interest. It was bright enough, but there was something wrong with it. She could just tell. Curiosity helped her overcome her case of vertigo, and, almost without realising it, Temperance stood again and walked over to the star. You fix the broken stars. If I can. Some of them need a bit of polish, some need to be retuned, but some stars simply die of old age. It's my job to grind them into stardust. I use it as a fertiliser for my garden and what I clean the house with. I expect that's why everything seems so... uh, magical? Temperance gently picked up the one that had caught her eye and cradled it in her hands. Somehow, it was warm, cool and scaly all at once. It was shining all right, but it seemed to brighten at her touch. What's wrong with this one? Oh, it'll be all right. It's just a lonely star. A star's alive? Temperance still cradled the warm star in her hand, a little in awe. Not like you and me, but they seem to respond to care and kindness, just like, say, my garden. Say... I guess that's why I'm so good at this. And stars can get lonely. Oh, yes, dear. Everyone gets lonely. Even stars. Honestly, that's what I think is wrong with Polaris. When he left, Mr Lavender thought it would just need a tune-up. But I think that there aren't enough star clusters nearby. Is this one going to die out? Her aunt seemed to have regained her cheery, dignified composure and walked over with a small magnifying glass with a leather handle. She took the star with gentle fingers and examined it. I don't think so. It still seems to have a healthy glow. You see, 
Sometimes stars just burn out and sometimes there's only one left in a cluster and it looks like that's what happened to this one. It just needs a little care and to be repositioned with a new cluster. Okay, Temperance seems somewhat satisfied with this answer. She had that heady feeling of being in over her head again as she looked along the star-lined walls. Something inside her shifted and made her feel different than she had ever felt before. It was like the room itself, small on the outside, but so much bigger once you stepped inside. That's what new experiences did to you, she decided. They made you bigger on the inside, even if you were the same size on the outside. She didn't think she would ever shrink back. How could she? This was all so marvellous and so unlikely, she didn't think she could ever forget it. She looked over and saw her aunt had slumped on the stool. Her face was flushed and wisps of her white hair were uncharacteristically out of place. She looked haggard, vulnerable. For all of the wise, witty things she said and the cheery composure she possessed, Temperance saw that her aunt was not some fairy godmother or even an eccentric madwoman as her neighbours liked to gossip. She was a person who could be just as out of her depth as her ten-year-old niece. Aunt Lavender, Temperance tried slowly. She was not shaking or sobbing, but her aunt had placed her face in her hands and was shaking her head from side to side. I don't know what to do, Temperance. What do you mean? Well, I certainly don't expect you to be able to keep such a big secret. When you tell everything that I've shared with you, people will either think you're crazy, and I don't want that for you, or they'll come to see it for themselves and I'll be out of a job because this is supposed to be very hush-hush. You can only imagine what people might do to have access to something as valuable as these stars. If they're so valuable, why don't you keep them in your safe? Well, I lost the combination until you figured it out. Her aunt looked a little overwhelmed as she stared at the hundreds of stars along the walls. Besides, do you think they would all even fit? Oh, I've always just relied on the fact that I'm always alone. I don't expect you to be able to keep my secret temperance. I just worry about how people respond. Aunt Lavender, I'm ten, you know. I'm not a baby. Yes, ten is a very grown-up age. Then why don't you think I can keep your secret? People already think I'm crazy, Temperance, and I would never want to burden you with the responsibility of feeling like you need to protect my reputation. Do people gossip about you? Of course they do. I'm the local character. People like Mrs Henley say I'm crazy or that my house is haunted. Well, is it? She finally asked the question that had been lingering in her mind for so long. Mrs Lavender turned her red, weary eyes to her niece. What do you think, Temperance? Temperance still wasn't used to her aunt answering her questions with another question, so she thought a moment before she responded. I would say that it's magical, but adults are always telling me that there's no such thing as magic. What do you mean when you say it's magical? I don't know. It's just different. People are very fast to judge something they don't understand and label it so they can feel better about it. I don't know if my house is magical, Temperance, but yes, it is different. It's a good different. I try so hard to create a place I love and that other people can enjoy. The sad thing is, you're one of the few people who has ever actually enjoyed it. People are too busy mocking my home to ever visit me and see if they like what it is they are making fun of.
the colour had drained from her face. Her skin was as fair as Temperance's, and tears glistened on Mrs. Lavender's cheeks. Temperance thought it was like watching the sun cry. Her aunt was always so kind and cheerful. She had never thought her aunt could feel sad like Temperance sometimes did, like after her mother had ignored her, or she had been left out of party invitations once again. Would you like some tea, Aunt Lavender? It won't solve our problems, but something about putting the kettle on does seem to help put things in perspective. Why, Temperance Brown, that sounds just like something I would say. Temperance was glad to see her aunt's countenance brighten and a little colour return to her cheeks. Her aunt reached over and squeezed her hand. Well, it's never too late for a cup of tea, is it? I think I even have some tarts left over from baking this afternoon. As long as they aren't lavender, Temperance said wryly. She took Temperance's hand as they walked back across the yard from the shed back into the house. At one point, her aunt even leaned wearily on Temperance's shoulder. Even strong people get tired, the girl thought. Chapter 5 A cold, wet nose against her cheek woke Temperance the next morning. She opened her eyes and saw Violet's brown eyes staring right into her own. Violet, she grumbled as she rubbed her face. The dog sneezed in response and wagged her tail. Once she had rubbed the sleep out of her eyes, a wet, unsettled morning greeted her outside the window. She sat up in bed and leaned back on her hands, listening and watching the rain spit against the pane. She plucked a blossom from her coverlet that had bloomed overnight and picked the petals apart as she thought about last evening. She had stayed up late with her aunt, sipping tea and nibbling tarts, and her aunt promising to teach her how to make frittatas for lunch. She liked her aunt's way of doing things. When Temperance was at home, her day was as predictable and planned out as the white squares on a calendar, a blank space waiting to be filled with the same activities as the day before. But here, at her aunt's home, each day was a surprise. Temperance thought she liked the unpredictability best. She yawned contentedly before sliding her feet onto the floor and into her slippers. As Violet waited for her to put on her robe, she barked and pranced her two front paws from side to side. She sneezed again. I'm coming, I'm coming, let's go downstairs. Violet led the way through the hall that led to the stairs. Just as they were heading to the kitchen, the dog's ears lifted at the sound of a knock at the door. It was too far from the kitchen for Mrs Lavender to hear it, so Temperance shuffled over to the door. She didn't like to answer the door in her robe and her nightgown, but then, at least, the knocking would stop. Violet growled as Temperance walked to the door. Yes, she cracked open the door, still blinking as she adjusted to the light. A boy about her age stood in front of her. He had a huge mop of red curly hair and a mischievous grin. A girl stood beside him, with matching hair and expression. "'You must be Billy and Millie,' Temperance said. "'How'd you know?' Billy asked. "'Just an educated guess.' "'An educated guess,' Millie mimicked with a squeaky voice. "'Who talks like that? You're just a kid.' Temperance felt a familiar knot in her stomach that made her feel dizzy. It was how she felt when she was teased at school. The tears would flow, and she'd run away from whoever said the cruel thing. Well, she said in a very matter-of-fact temperance brown voice, I'd rather be a smart kid than a dumb one. How may I help you two? 
It's a bit early in the morning for visitors, but if you'd like to join us for breakfast, I'm sure we have enough for two more. Ah, Ma sent us over, Millie said in the same overly loud manner as her mother. She said we had to invite you over to play. Oh, I see, said Temperance, a bit taken aback by the invitation after their rude introduction. I think that it would be quite nice. Please wait here while I ask my aunt. Temperance left the door open, but the screen door was still closed. The Henley children pressed their round faces to the screen and peered inside. It doesn't look scary, Billy observed. It's so big inside and smells like a garden. They heard the clatter of Violet's nails against the tiled floor and took a step back from the screen door. Violet appeared and stared at them seriously. She sniffed the air and then sat down, yawned and slid into a lying position on the tile her watchful eyes never leaving the pair of Henley children. Temperance came running from the kitchen and said, Yes, she said I can come after breakfast. OK, swell, Billy said. He and his sister turned to go. Would you like to come in for breakfast? What you making? Millie sniffed the air to try and catch a whiff of whatever was cooking. Bacon and eggs. We'll come, Billy nodded in assent. He brushed past Temperance and went down the hall as if he'd been there a million times before. He made his way to the kitchen where Mrs Lavender was moving the dripping bacon from the pan onto a platter already piled high with eggs on one side. I invited them in, Temperance shrugged helplessly as the Henley children sat at the only two chairs at the table that had place settings. Millie and Billy, Mrs Lavender said quickly, we earn our breakfast here. You must set two more places if you want to eat. Temperance showed them where the cups and plates were kept, and each set a place for themselves as Mrs Lavender laid the platter of bacon and eggs on the table. The Henley twins had enough manners to wait for Mrs Lavender to put it on their plates before trying to grab it themselves. Once they had all been served and were happily sipping their juice and savouring their crisp bacon, Millie happily volunteered. My ma is out to get your house, Mrs Lavender. Did you know that? Most people would say it's impolite to talk with your mouth full. So why don't you swallow before you answer this question? Now, what do you mean she's out to get my house? She got a bunch of people to say they don't like your house and it should be look like all the others. Temperance didn't say anything, but her head swivelled to look at her aunt in alarm. A petition, Mrs Lavender clarified. Yeah, that's what she called it. Well, I see. She brought that over to me already. Are you almost finished? I guess, said Millie leaning back in her chair contentedly. I'm not, Billy said as he served himself more eggs. What brought you over here this morning? Ma wanted us to invite Tempsey. How do you say your name again? Tempe, Temperance gave an exasperated sigh. She had no desire to repeat her full name to them, only to hear them mispronounce it. They wouldn't bother with that many syllables anyway, she thought. Anyways, we're supposed to invite her over to play. I thought that was better than inviting them here, Temperance said meaningfully. She didn't want them near the gardening shed. That was very thoughtful of your mother to think of Temperance. Temperature, Billy said with a giggle. It's Temperance, her aunt quipped. Say that once more, Billy, and you can leave. All three children turned wide eyes to the woman. All right now, she continued. You've had your breakfast, so you better get home now so your mother doesn't wonder where you are. Millie and Billy scooted out of their chairs and Temperance watched as they scurried down the hall and out of the front door.
I'll see you later, Temperance said with a wave, although they didn't look back. When she went over to their house that afternoon to play, she took a closer look at the White House with its blocky black shutters and uncovered porch, which was just steps leading up to the door. A few scraggly bushes bravely rooted themselves in the tiny yard, but as Temperance walked up the driveway, she looked down at the street towards the left. If she wasn't their neighbour, she would hardly be able to tell which was the Henley's house. It was so similar to the others. Temperance was proud she lived in a lavender house, the most magical house on Prosperity Lane. Hello, Temperance, Mrs Henley greeted her at the door. It's lovely to meet you again. Thank you for inviting me, Temperance said warily. She still remembered the first impression of the woman, madly waving a petition to make her aunt's home just as stale and stodgy as all the others. Millie and Billy could be heard arguing in the other room, so their mother called for them in a shrill voice and they came thundering down the hallway. Won't you come with us into the playroom? There's not much space outside for us to play. Temperance followed and observed the scientifically clean and sterile house. There was a rug in the hall, but it had no designs. There were white walls, but they had no pictures. Temperance felt like she had walked into the doctor's office she sometimes went to when her mother wasn't feeling well, except the doctor's office had pictures of exotic plants and animals on one of its walls. What do you do for fun? she asked her new companions. We do a lot of cleaning when we're not doing homework, said Millie. I like to play board games, but only Billy will play with me, and that's just sometimes. Do you like blocks? Temperance nodded, and the two children pulled out a plastic bin with wooden blocks they used to reconstruct Prosperity Lane. Temperance began to make an orderly outline of her aunt's home while the Henley children made random stacks and shapes. We don't have any purple blocks, Millie said apologetically. That's all right. I'll just use my imagination, Temperance said, feeling more at ease with her new friends. What's it like living there? Billy asked. It's wonderful. My aunt is so kind, and she lets me try new things. You mean she's not... You know, Billy lowered his voice and wound his finger in the air around his ear. Crazy? No, definitely not, Temperance said. But she's purple, and her house is... Different. People are so quick to label things they don't understand, Temperance repeated what her aunt had said to her. But why is she... The way that she is, Millie's limited vocabulary left her unable to describe what she was trying to say very well. Temperance thought for a moment. She tried to imagine what her aunt would be like if she were not allowed to plant flowers and grow things and bring beauty into her life. I think she's better when she's allowed to be the way that she is. I mean, different. It's not because she takes pleasure in being so different because people pay more attention to her. I think she's quite lonely the way that she is but she'd still rather not hide it. But she's purple, Billy repeated, fixated on that fact. I don't know about that, Temperance admitted. I know she's different, and I sometimes wonder about things like the talking reflection and the stars that she polishes at night in the garden shed. Wait, stars in the garden shed? What do you mean by that? The Henley twins suddenly looked up from their blocks. Temperance felt her face turn white. She wanted to melt into the floor, or hide under the rug, or run away and hide. Anything but face their stares. How had she let that slip? She hadn't made up her mind about it entirely. How could she explain it to somebody else? 
Nothing, she stuttered. What do you mean, a talking reflection, temperance? The imposing figure of Mrs. Henley suddenly appeared in the doorway. I didn't mean anything, she shrugged. Temperance, you seem to be a very intelligent sort of child. The woman's eyes flickered to the vacant expressions of her children before coming back to Temperance's terrified expression. I ought to know. Temperance clenched her teeth. She didn't trust herself to say anything else. You care about your aunt very much, don't you? She nodded. You would hate to see her hurt herself? I don't understand. Temperance, you know that reflections don't talk and there are no stars in the gardening shed. But there are. Mrs. Henley's imperious eyebrows arched maliciously. Oh, there are, are there? Suppose you show them to me. Tears started to stream down Temperance's face. She didn't exactly understand how, but she knew that she had just made a terrible mistake. No, I'm going home now. She stood, but Mrs. Henley blocked her way. Temperance, what funny business is going on over there? Nothing, let me pass. Temperance. Mrs. Henley's voice lowered, and Temperance felt a flash of panic. You can't make me tell you anything. You're just mean because you're miserable, she yelled, her face red and her heart racing. Mrs. Henley was surprised by her outburst, and Temperance took the opportunity to push her way past. She ran through the hallway with the ugly rug, through the tiny yard with the scraggly bushes, and across the street, and through her aunt's lush garden, up the wooden steps, and she dashed into the house. Aunt Lavender, she called. She felt sick to her stomach. What is it, child? Mrs. Lavender called. It sounded like her voice was coming from outside in the backyard. Temperance walked out to the back, and Mrs. Lavender dropped her gardening spade and ran over to her niece as soon as she saw her white face. Temperance, what happened over there? Did they hurt you? The girl shook her head and suddenly burst into tears. I told them, Aunt Lily. I didn't mean to, but I told them about the stars in the gardening shed and Mrs. Henley threatened to come over here and I'm afraid they're going to take your house away because they think you're crazy and it's all my fault. She wailed this all in one breath and was quite exhausted by the time she had finished. She collapsed on the grass. Goodness, child, I'm just glad to see you're unharmed. Take a deep breath slowly now. Did Mrs. Henley say she was coming over? As if to answer her question, they heard a knock on the front door that reverberated through the hallway and the open back door. That's probably her, said Mrs. Lavender. Will you be all right if I leave you here for a moment? Temperance sniffed but nodded. She tried to assess her aunt's expression, but all she saw was one of firm resolution. Lily Lavender strode down the hall her own heart pounding as she saw her neighbour's face through the screen door. I suppose you know why I'm here. Mrs Henley didn't waste any time with pleasantries as soon as she saw her neighbour. To Mrs Lavender's surprise, she had a policeman standing right beside her. She had her clipboard in her hand once again. Look, Dramatha, Mrs Lavender began, I'm not exactly sure what Temperance told you, but... Her neighbour held up a hand to interrupt her. I am not here to argue with you, Mrs. Lavender. Temperance told me some alarming things that made me wonder if it was a safe place for a child. This is my cousin, Officer Boggins, and he happened to be on his beat as I was coming over, and he agreed to accompany me. Of course, we are all familiar with your home and your questionable, ah, uh, state of mind. Fear flickered in Mrs. Lavender's eyes. This had escalated far more quickly than she had anticipated. 
Would you mind if we looked around, Mrs. Lavender? He asked. His eyes darted past her, trying to see over her shoulder of what she might be hiding in the tiny home. Not without a warrant, I'm afraid, officer. I've been out in the garden, and I'm not in a state to receive guests. You'll have to come back with the authority to search my home, although I'm not sure what for. I was hoping that wouldn't be necessary, Mrs. Henley said with a tisk-tisk sound. If you'll remember, my dear, there have been complaints about the condition of your house before, and Temperance said some very questionable things that made us wonder if it is safe for her to stay here. Is there a gardening shed she has access to? There are lots of dangerous tools in there for young children. She is never in there without my supervision. Look, Lily, I'll make this very simple for you. Sign this petition with me and Officer Boggins as witnesses, and we will discuss no more of this since it will prove you are a very reasonable person, and there will be no need for further investigation. If you don't, we will come back with a warrant and, well, who knows what would happen then. Everybody in the neighbourhood already thinks you're bonkers, and now that you have a child in your care, if the authorities became involved... She let her voice trailed off. So... I must follow your demands or I'll lose my house entirely. It's something to think about, Lily. You didn't honestly think that you could continue living in this circus tent forever, did you? We must keep with the times. We must be like everybody else. For once, Mrs. Lavender didn't draw herself up and defend her beloved home. Her shoulders drooped instead, and her face looked strained, older somehow. Violet appeared from around the corner of the house. She stood at the bottom of the porch steps, and the gentle dog growled. Officer Boggins was starting to look uncomfortable. Most people in the neighbourhood stayed away from Mrs Lavender's home. There was nothing suspicious, but he still felt uncomfortable being seen in the front yard that was so different from all the others. "'Mrs Henley will be back in the morning to get your decision,' he said, warily stepping down the stairs and staring at Violet. Violet, hush, Mrs. Lavender said wearily as she watched them walk away. Her face had turned white. Chapter 6 That evening, Mrs. Lavender did not go into the gardening shed. After Mrs. Henley had left and Temperance had regained her composure, they completed the afternoon chores. Mrs. Lavender went to cover her plants because there was going to be a frost that night, and Temperance walked over to the goldfish pond. She knelt and watched the fish aimlessly glide through the water. She stared at her reflection, wondering if it would talk back again. It's all your fault, you know, she said. If you hadn't told me about the stars, then I wouldn't have talked about them to the Henley children, and then Aunt Lily wouldn't be in danger of losing her house. There was nothing. The girl stared at the face peering through the ripples of water caused by a leaf that had fallen and was sailing through the water. Maybe I am crazy, she said aloud, not expecting a response this time. If you are, would that be so bad, was the response. Temperance was taken aback, but quipped, Don't be bombastic. This is serious. I am serious. Doesn't your aunt have a friend? Mr Luna? She's thought of that, but he's left for the North Pole and who knows how far away he is. Why can't you move the stars to the vault? I already thought of that. It's an awful lot of stars and I don't think there's enough room. Well, it can't hurt to try, can it? No, I guess I owe it to her. Temperance, let's go inside. It's getting dark. 
Her aunt called wearily as she let Violet inside. Aunt Lily, she had another idea. Could Daddy help somehow? No, child. He thinks I'm crazy too. Everyone does. Should we make some tea? If you'd like some, I'll put the kettle on. But I don't think even tea can help me out of this pickle. I'm so sorry, Aunt Lily. You were right. I cannot keep my mouth shut. But I do have an idea. I think we should try and put the stars in the vault. And the attic if we run out of space. Her aunt turned to stare at her. There are so many stars, Temperance. Do you think we could make it? We have to try. We have to do something. We could even get Violet to help. The faithful dog perked up her head at the mention of her name. The natural purple colour started to return to her aunt's face. Well, she admitted, it is something. Let's do it. Here's what we'll do. We'll use my gardening wheelbarrow to help transport them. Violet can carry a basket in her mouth if we fill it up for her, but we'll need tea first. It's going to be a long night. The first hour went by almost pleasantly. The second and third were slower, but they were energised by how important it was that they finished before the next morning. By the fourth hour, even the determined temperance was fading. Her arms hurt and her back ached as she went back and forth from the library to the garden, pushing the wheelbarrow full of stars. Violet was put to work carrying a basket with a few stars. She couldn't carry much. But eventually, she was stopping every few feet to rest and made very little progress. By the fifth hour, it was two o'clock in the morning. Temperance wanted to fall into a heap in the cool grass next to Violet and take a nap, but she remembered what was at stake. She lifted the wheelbarrow handles and placed one exhausted step in front of the other. After what seemed like an eternity, she made it to the library only to realise to her horror that the vault was already crammed full of stars. So full, it blinded her to keep staring at the mass of them twinkling at her from the vault. Her legs crumpled beneath her onto the plush carpet of the library. She started to cry, but she was too tired to finish before the tears even made their way down her cheeks. Her head flew up as she remembered the attic. She didn't know if she had it in her to make it up the stairs. She'd have to use the basket the Violet had been carrying since she knew she couldn't tote the wheelbarrow up there. She didn't know if she could, but she was going to try. Violet appeared in the library doorway. Her head hung low as she blinked sleepily. Violet, I need you. Go get your basket. The dog stared at her without moving. Seeing the dog was too tired to understand, Temperance walked past her back outside of the garden to retrieve the basket. Her aunt appeared from the entrance to the gardening shed. Is everything okay? she called. We've run out of room in the vault, Temperance called. I'm going to start putting them in the attic. Why isn't the vault bigger on the inside like the gardening shed? We didn't build the vault. It was here when my husband and I bought the house. Her aunt crossed the yard to her niece and saw her drooping shoulders even though Temperance was doing her best to put on a brave face. Temperance, you've done enough, she said. The ten-year-old shook her head stubbornly. No, it's not done. If we stop now, they'll find the stars. There are more stars than I realised. Even if we keep going, there's no way we can get the stars to the garret before morning. And if we did, that doesn't mean they wouldn't find them. Despite her exhaustion, Temperance felt her face scrunch up the way it did when she was about to cry. Again, 
no tears. She was too drained to spend energy on weeping. So we just give up? I can't bear to see you this tired, dearie. If you can bring back the wheelbarrow, I'll take the stars and put them back in the gardening shed. I'll put some old tarps over all of them, and maybe Mrs Henley and Officer Boggins won't look under there. Temperance thought that still sounded risky, but she knew her aunt wouldn't take any arguments. She wearily handed her the basket and went upstairs to her room where she threw herself onto the bed, completely defeated. She laid on her bed resting, but she didn't fall asleep. She could hear her aunt hefting the wheelbarrow from the library back out to the gardening shed and then coming back in to mop the dirt that had been tracked in, and then walking with heavy steps to her bedroom. The clock downstairs rang three times. It was three o'clock. Temperance had never stayed awake this long before. Still, she couldn't sleep. She tried rolling on her side, but it was no better. She threw back the covers and then placed her pillow over her head. She still couldn't shake off the feeling that she had not done enough. She put on her slippers and made her way down the hallway, down the stairs and into the library. The moonlight streaming through the large windows made patterns on the carpet. Temperance was not afraid of the dark, but it still felt eerie to be alone in a large room with such tall shelves full of books when she had no intention of reading them. She went over to the botany section and stood on tiptoe to pull a red and gold volume from the shelf. She put her hand where the book had been and pressed a small groove against the shelf wall. There was a shifting noise and suddenly the shelf moved. She pulled it and there was the vault. Around the edges of the vault door, she could already see the glow of stars peering through. The rows of neatly stacked stars almost blinded her and she shut her eyes before opening them again bracing herself. Being so close to them, she could feel the heat that was almost as scorching as being beside a campfire. Without thinking, she grabbed the first star she found, then closed the vault. She slid to the ground, fingering the warm, scaly piece of sky in her hands. It brightened at her touch. She recognised it as what her aunt had called a lonely star. She had an idea. Scampering back upstairs to her room, she drew back the curtains and unlocked her window, which overlooked Prosperity Lane. All the neat white houses looked like stationary ghosts on a quiet street, stale and shadowy. The healthy stars that glistened above seemed to beckon to temperance, inviting her to step out of her window and come join them. She shook her head. This is nuts, she whispered to herself, but she said it more out of habit than to check her own sanity. She was at Lily Lavender's after all, and no one questioned your sanity there. That is, unless you were Mrs Henley. Temperance gently fingered the lonely star, and before thinking twice, she used both hands to hurl the star from her open window and back into the sky it had come from. She bit her lip as soon as she had thrown it. She could have sworn she heard a sort of whistling sound as it glided through the night sky and up into the stars above. She didn't know what she had done, she didn't know what would happen, but she was finally able to crawl back into bed and rest. Temperance Brown is no quitter, she told herself as she drifted off to sleep. At least, she had tried. Chapter 7 Mrs Lavender woke up the next morning with a heavy heart. She had tried to think of every possible explanation or scenario, 
but she hadn't been able to think of a single solution that would allow her to keep her beautiful home and the stars in her vault and gardening shed a secret. If they snooped in the gardening shed, they could find the stars hidden underneath the old tattered tarps. They still glowed brightly, even during the daytime. She would be carried off to an asylum for sure, Violet would be taken to a pound, and Temperance would be sent to our unhappy home. If she accepted her neighbour's terms, she could at least keep things as they were on the inside, although her heart caught in her throat when she thought of destroying all her beautiful flowers, including her carrion flower. Why, it could bloom any day now. Today, in fact. She made breakfast, but no one ate it, so she covered the bacon and eggs for later and awaited the dreaded knock. It came at exactly eight o'clock. Mrs Henley wasted no time. The purple lady opened the door and was alarmed, but not surprised to see it was a whole gathering at her door. It was all the neighbours she had seen and smiled at and never spoken to for years. Hello, everyone, she said as she stepped onto the porch. It's about time, Mr Willis, the postman, shouted from the back. Your house is an eyesore. We want to know what you're going to do about it, yelled another. Dramatha Henley stood in front with the petition in hand, her eyes glittering. Well? I want you all to know that this is my home, one I have shared with my husband, and where I'd hoped to live the rest of my life. I have spent years making it into a special place, and now you all want to undo that. No one was moved by her speech. In fact, several in the back began to boo and jeer. However, she continued in a brave voice, I am going to heed the requests of my neighbours and work to whitewash my home and make it just as plain and ordinary as every other house on Prosperity Lane. This was received with another round of jeering and rowdy applause that made her face flush and, against her will, accentuated her light purple skin and white hair. She's a freak, someone shouted. If that is all you have to say, Mrs Lavender said, I will sign your paper and kindly ask you to leave my property. Mrs Henley handed over the paper, but had forgotten to bring a pen. Her moment of victory deflated when everyone searched their pockets and they couldn't find one either. I'll have to run home and get one, she said. I'll be right back. The small crowd parted to let her pass, and she fled across the street to grab a pen and hurry back. Mrs Lavender had told her niece to stay inside. She didn't want her to witness any of the jeering, but Temperance was watching the whole scene unfold from behind the window blinds. She could see Billy and Millie standing at the fringe of the crowd, watching with wide eyes. As the mob waited for its leader to return, they all started talking excitedly to one another and didn't notice a very short, very dignified-looking man wearing a black suit slip through them. It wasn't until he was at the foot of the stairs that they noticed his arrival. Tom Luna! Mrs Lavender's face lit up. How glad she was to see a friendly face. Tom Luna removed his hat to show a bald head. He smiled, and his entire face seemed to glow. Lily, I'm glad to see you, but I've come here on urgent business. What seems to be going on here? Are you having a party? Lily explained the situation as quietly as she could, although it was difficult to avoid the prying eyes and ears of the mob. Who's this? Mrs Henley demanded as she hurried to return to the front of the crowd, her eyes boring through the little man. 
Are you the nosy neighbour? he asked cheerily. Tom Luna, at your service. There seems to be a misunderstanding here. What do you mean by a misunderstanding? It seems that Mrs. Lavender has failed to comply with the Homeowners Association requirements of keeping a residence in this neighbourhood. Is that correct? Yes, she said warily. And she's just bonkers. Oh, if Lily Lavender is bonkers, then I am the man on the moon, he said with a chuckle. I came to see Mrs. Lavender about a piece of business that is of orbital importance, but I see that I have arrived just in time to deal with something else entirely. What does this have to do with you? Well, you see, she's been helping me out a bit these past few months. I work for a solar company, and she's been helping me with some extracurricular projects. Is that why she grows all these plants? Mrs. Henley asked. What a shrewd woman you are, Mrs. Henley. She blushed at what seemed to be a compliment. She does a bit of product management for us, you could say. Mrs. Lavender, could you step inside for just a moment so I could speak with you? Confused but always polite, Lily agreed and stepped into the foyer while the crowd waited outside. Temperance looked up from her perch on the window seat to the portly man and her aunt as they walked in. I'm sorry to just pop in at such an inconvenient time, he apologised. However, the reason I'm here has to do with the displacement of one of your stars. You see, my assembly team had all the placement mapped out for you when you had made repairs to the current batch, but last night I was on my way to the North Pole when I got a report that one of them had suddenly appeared out of nowhere. And as you know, that simply will not do. I travelled here at the speed of light because I'm on a tight schedule and must get this sorted. Everything's now in such a kerfuffle. The man's voice cracked, and he put his hands to his head as if to run it through hair that was no longer there. Temperance stifled a giggle at the sight of the bald, red-faced man frantically clutching his head. He turned to stare at her, noticing her for the first time. Oh, hello, he said. Who are you? This is Temperance. She's my niece. Don't worry, Tom. She knows. In fact, I threw a lonely star into the sky last night, the girl confessed before she knew what she was doing. Temperance! Don't you know how dangerous that is? Why would you do something like that? Her aunt scolded. I had to do something. I didn't know it would bring you here, Mr Luna, but I had an inkling it might. Now, can you help my aunt save her house? Yes, well... My timing is fortunate, he said, forgetting his own kerfuffle for a moment to focus on the immediate problem. I am very glad to learn of what happened. Now I can determine how to fix it. We were all quite discombobulated when we saw an uncharted star, but if I know where it came from, we can manage. However, I will need the compass I sent you to relocate it. Now, there is a piece of good news. The observatory is only one week away from being repaired. So if we can just keep your home operation under wraps for a few more days, we can move everything back to where it belongs. A huge weight seemed to fall from Mrs. Lavender's shoulders. Then you won't need my help anymore, and things can go back to normal, she said hopefully. Precisely. But I can't keep them off for a few more hours, let alone a few more days, Mrs. Lavender said sadly. Temperance and I even tried moving the stars to the vault, but there's just not enough room. Are many of them repaired yet? Yes, over half of them. Why don't I just put those in my pockets? The man put his hands into his pockets and pulled them inside out. They were as large as black holes. 
Temperance's eyes widened. Her aunt had the strangest friends. Oh, do you think they'll fit? Mrs. Lavender asked. He winked. I think so. I'll just see myself to the gardening shed and take care of this, while you tell these neighbours of yours that you've come to your senses, and there is no reason for you to paint your beautiful home. Now it was Lily Lavender's turn to glow, as hope returned to her face. She nodded as tears came to her eyes. She brushed them aside and went back outside to face her neighbours. Temperance stayed riveted to her window. Now that I've had a moment, Mrs Lavender said slowly, I have decided not to sign this petition. Prosperity Lane is a place for respectable, normal people, not the likes of you, someone in the back yelled. We'll search the place, Mrs Henley said unsurely. She knew something had changed, and it wasn't in her favour. Just as Mrs Lavender was about to respond again, Temperance saw Mr Luna charge through the door. His coat pockets didn't seem to be bulging at all. I can assure you there's nothing to see, he said. Nothing but a bunch of old tarps and tools in the gardening shed. Although I do recommend paying her a neighbourly visit sometime, the garden in her backyard is positively pristine. The crowd was silent, unsure of what to make of the newest character who had arrived on the scene dressed in a three-piece suit. Mrs Henley turned to face the crowd. You know she's crazy. He must be crazy too. Tut, 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 ma'am. You're upsetting yourself. I get it. I get upset if I try to do anything before breakfast. Have you eaten yet today? He reached into his deep pockets and pulled out a crinkled brown bag. He held it out to Mrs Henley. Please, have a moon pie. When she pursed her lips and shook her head, he walked around the crowd offering the treat to anyone who would take one. As the silent response of Mrs Henley, who was purple with rage by now, went on and Mr Luna proceeded to talk pleasantly and hand out moon pies, the crowd started to chuckle, then positively roared with laughter at the scene. The idea of the kind, harmless woman standing on the front porch being a threat to the neighbourhood suddenly seemed preposterous. The petition and the pen dropped to the sidewalk. Mrs Henley's eyes glared at the small, bored man and the proud, white-haired woman. "'You're both crazy,' she declared. "'You haven't heard the last from me.' Mrs Henley turned on her heel and walked away towards her home. She slammed her front door so hard that the thud could be heard across the street, but all of the onlookers still lingered outside of Lily's beautiful home, laughing until their sides ached. They were walking in her flower beds, but Mrs Lavender was too happy to care. She was just glad the ordeal had passed, and in seven more days she wouldn't have to worry about the stars in her care any more. "'Will you come in for some lemonade, Tom?' She placed a hand on her old friend's shoulder. What about your other guests? Mrs Lavender looked at them for a moment, then stepped aside to hold open the screen door. You're all invited, she said generously. Temperance watched all of this from the safety of the other side of the window and stood in surprise as she watched the neighbours trickle in. She marvelled at how public opinion could change. They had been jeering her aunt, laughing at Mrs Henley and were now sombre guests inside Mrs Lavender's home, which, surprisingly, could fit the whole neighbourhood without feeling cramped. Violet was beside herself with excitement at all the visitors and she wagged her tail, going in circles around the guests. It was a happy hubbub with Mrs Lavender and Mr Luna pouring lemonade and talking and laughing. 
the neighbours marvelling at the flowers growing on the windowsills and staring at the high ceilings and whispering how the home seemed so much larger on the inside than on the outside. Temperance stood back and marvelled at it all. She stepped outside from the kitchen and into the warm sunshine. She admired the rose bushes and the hydrangeas and the foxglove and the... Aunt Lavender, she shrieked. Her aunt was there in an instant. What? What is it, Temperance? Are you hurt? The girl didn't say anything. Instead, she raised a finger and pointed. At the end of the rose bushes, there had unfurled the largest, most glorious flower she had ever seen. The green sheath had peeled back to reveal a dark purple beneath, which made a dramatic contrast with the white centre that was still standing tall. Temperance stepped closer, but a horrible stench hit her. That's a carrion flower, said Lou, one of the neighbours that had followed the sound of Temperance's voice. It can take up to ten years to bloom, and then when it does it only lasts a day. Then what's the use? Temperance was disappointed at what she felt should be the pinnacle of the little drama she'd watched unfold. Beautiful things don't always need an explanation, said Mrs Lavender. Her eyes hadn't stopped shining and her face was beaming. Sometimes it's enough in the joy they give. Even if they smell, the girl wrinkled her nose. Well, nothing is perfect, her aunt admitted with a laugh. Temperance stared at the gorgeous, rotting flower in consternation. Then her gaze swept across the faces of Lou and the other neighbours who seemed to have suddenly warmed to their neighbour. Her eyes landed on her aunt's lined, lavender face, capped with snow-white hair that could have been a halo. Beautiful in her own right, she thought. She didn't ask for the scientific explanation of the carrion or the corpse flower. Instead, she just pinched her nose and grinned. Epilogue John Brown came in August to retrieve his daughter. He almost didn't recognise the glowing, self-confident child who came bounding up to him as soon as he got out of the car. Daddy, she said excitedly, wrapping his arms around the leg of his trousers. Tempe? he asked. The girl's dignity seemed to return to her. She stood and brushed herself off and grinned so he could see the gap in her teeth. Goodness, how has your summer been? he asked. Daddy, it's been remarkable. Just wait till I tell you everything I've seen and learned. Lily came onto the porch, smiling when she saw her brother's face. John, how are you and Stella? She's much better. She's much better, and we both miss our daughter. I've so enjoyed having her this summer. I hope she can come back. I don't want to leave, the girl said, but Aunt Lily says that her house is just a place you visit, so you can go back home again with a fresh perspective. You're right, her father said, trying to understand what had happened in the three months since he had seen his daughter. Is a wise woman. Temperance agreed and held her father's hand as she led him up the stone path and to her room, where her luggage was. Mrs Henley stood at her usual station for spying on her curiosity of a neighbour. She scowled when she saw her neighbours, Lou and Sally, interrupting their evening stroll to talk with Temperance, her father and her aunt as they loaded the sleek black car with Temperance's luggage. Can we go say goodbye to Temperance? Billy asked. Wordlessly, his mother shook her head. She kept watching the cheerful goodbye happening across the street. 
She couldn't hear what they were saying, except for the occasional strains of laughter that floated across the street to her own desolate yard. Mrs Lavender had a bouquet of fresh-cut orchids and lilies to give to her niece. When Lily Lavender laughed, she looked exceptionally young, and she was laughing this morning. Temperance's small face was beaming just above the blossoms bundled in her arms. Her father said something, and the girl threw back her head towards the sun and laughed, showing her gap-toothed smile for all the world to see. Violet was wagging her tail at the visitors, but she seemed to sense that Temperance was about to leave. Her brown eyes were bright, but sad. Lou and Sally chatted for a few moments, then after bidding Temperance goodbye, they finished their stroll down Prosperity Lane. Most of the yards still had their white picket borders, but over the past few months, growing things had been allowed to cling to them, and wild green vines and Arizona rose sensations shyly waved to passing pedestrians. Mrs. Henley noticed for the first time that a few houses had doors painted bright red, and one of the houses even had purple shutters. What had happened to her austere neighbourhood? The answer stood fifty yards away. Waving and smiling as the black car drove away, the purple figure was still for a moment, then turned to gaze in the direction of the peeping housewife. She gestured with a wave that Mrs. Henley should come outside, come over even. Angry and embarrassed, Mrs. Henley pulled the grey-brown curtains together to block out the sunlight and the view of her merry neighbour. For a moment, Mrs. Lavender's shoulders slumped in disappointment and her smile vanished. A few butterflies trembled above her white head as she looked across the street. Violet's tail stopped wagging. The golden dog and purple woman turned to go inside. We'll try again tomorrow, Violet. The end. Good night. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 